0: It's a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, creates language for what motivates us, and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is for hobbits in discussing the inner life of Middle Earth characters. And that's where we're going again today. Hooray! My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, who teaches Tolkien to young people, and I've been shown to be an inferior master of this material because in our last episode, the great T.J. Wilson... Showcase the inner life of Bilbo slightly better than I did. (laughs) We are with TJ, who is apparently a hobbit lover, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. Hey, TJ. We're jumping into our second episode on Bilbo to give us a good intro into The Lord of the Rings. Hooray. And I thought that Bilbo Baggins was different in the portrayal of Ian Holmes and the portrayal of Martin Freeman. And so that's where we're going to start. Uh, what say you? Well,
1: I went into this conversation like we we talked about this a few weeks ago, and it's like this is this is what I think, and and this is like it would be really nice to have a conversation about how they're two different characters in the two different portrayals. Ian Holm playing a much older, much uh, like the story is about a, a the ring at that point, whereas uh, Martin Freeman's portrayal in the Hobbit is about. The Hobbit and, like, their their adventure. So, like, of course, it would be a totally different story. And then I actually watched them. And it's like, oh, no, I don't think so. Huh? I think they're the same.
0: Well, your take is going to have a huge benefit. Because, one, it makes uh, not only consistency between the two trilogies. In my mind, it would be consistent then with the book. Right. Because I, yeah. I think Bilbo in the book is a five. This is not my take on Freeman's uh Bilbo, Martin Freeman, by the way, before we get into that, I really like Martin Freeman as an actor, man.
1: And diverse enough that he's not the exact same in every role, but like consistent enough that it's like, it's always Martin Freeman. I like him
0: a lot. He's got a spectacular TV resume, Fargo, Sherlock, the original office. He's in uh, movie-wise. He's in the Simon Pegg trilogy. Right. Uh, the, the the appears in the MCU and then an, and of course he's in TJ's favorite,
1: which is what now?
0: Isn't that your favorite movie? Love Actually. Or at oh, least it the is top? not
1: my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Christmas.
0: <laughs> 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 it's,
2: but it's it's
1: not, not huge even difference. close to my favorite movie.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good clarification. Yeah. Well, let me give you the short. Then uh, I'll let you follow up with your five buffoonery, misguided typing (laughs) conclusion. Freeman's Bilbo is a nine, and there's an obvious sign. He is dressed in red corduroy suit, smoking jacket at home. This is precisely how T.J. Wilson, our prototypical nine, wants to dress all the time, and thus it is incontrovertible evidence that Bilbo is a nine-
1: I am deeply drawn to the fashion <laughs> sensibilities of the world of the Hobbits. <laughs> Corduroy jacket, the beautiful buttons, the the short pants, the cloak. I, I wish we lived in a world where you could wear a cloak and not be weird.
0: <laughs> Man, cloaks are so cool. They are a uh, a sign that the person might be suspect.
1: Uh, a little um.
0: Off center from from normal, which isn't a
1: bad thing. <gasps> Just, My uh, as a nine, I want to be nor- I don't want to be recognized. That's I don't want to stand out.
0: <laughs> My undergrad thesis advisor wore a cape, yeah. and was a count. Purchased enough land to in in a certain <laughs> part of the world to count as a count. Was a writer on vampires and good dude, yeah. but. You know, you know, just a little uh, off-center of reality. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Here's my take. Bilbo is much more expressive than most nines, but motive, again, not behavior is what matters. Mm-hmm. And when we see Freeman's Bilbo, all he wants to do is keep things calm. His home is filled with collected trinkets and, dare we say, talismans of memory. Uh, but Bag End is a space of control. It seems to me that we see in the first scene and his central function, and maybe that's my biggest argument. His central function in this trilogy is as a peacemaker. That is what he does. Uh, And as the movie proceeds, we see him become a very justice oriented person when driven to make the biggest decisions. And for me, When he moves out of withdrawal into action, which you need to see from heroes, you need to see them, uh, especially if it's a heroic nine, what does it look like for the heroic nine to become a hero? They need to move into action. And it seems to me it's always based on one of two things. He is either trying to keep his family together or he wants his presence to matter. And so I'm going to just keep coming back to those two overriding values that seem to me to be central to the heart of nines. And uh, that's what I got. You got anything on, on uh, Freeman's Bilbo?
1: So I, I'll, I'll start by saying that um, throughout my entire exploration of just this character, uh, Martin Freeman playing Bilbo Baggins in the, the cut that I watched of a Hobbit because I couldn't possibly stand to make it through all three <laughs> of those movies. Um, the, we'll have to
0: talk about that in a, a minute. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> the, um, I vacillated significantly between five, six and nine. Like I, I'm not going to get into all the details of why I, I kept moving around on those three. Um, but I think that a lot of the same reasons that you see nine are going to be th- similar are going to be the same thing that I see as five mm-hmm. because five like being in the same stance the withdrawn stance there's gonna be an awful lot of similarity between those two types yep I think the the biggest thing that that keeps me in five is that i I see him as desiring at the core of him desiring
0: security not peace mm-hmm so we're gonna to get to a couple of scenes where that's gonna play itself out and it's that's gonna be a good dialogue yeah uh, real quick on movie cuts we ended up saying this in our last episode but for some of us especially who are longtime Tolkien fans the it was very difficult to watch the Hobbit trilogy because of how they constructed the films they clearly wanted a little bit more money which meant a little bit more movies right not not one movie not two movies we're gonna make this into a trilogy.
1: I mean and all of us were so excited when we heard there was going to be a movie by Peter Jackson. Yep. He did the Lord of the Rings so well and folded in elements from the universe and like yeah, changed a couple of things but nothing so major that it ruined the movies. And like <laughs> just so exciting. And oh, oh, there's going to be two? I mean, it's a pretty long book. I guess that makes there's going to be three movies. This is ridiculous. That's how it
0: happened. <laughs> my My impression of these movies is I really love the first movie. I don't think there's many missteps with the first movie. I think that they were just, and this was, Jackson said this himself. They, they were making stuff up with those second yeah, two movies. Yeah, and you can tell. And you can tell. In good news, one of the fantastic elements of uh, digital culture right now is that artists around the world have done cuts of these movies where they've uh, removed a lot of the trash, a lot of the stuff that wasn't thought through very well. Evangeline Lilly. And, Lily. and made, it, made it into worthy fan edits. Yeah.
1: And and just, just real quick, just to make sure that this is out there, I don't hate Evangeline Lilly. I hate her character <laughs> in these films. It's pointless and inserted ridiculousness.
0: None of the elves, with maybe the exception of the the king character. Yeah. none They just don't work. And the Elf Army, I, I, I'm i really attracted to.
1: Agreed. Which is a significant facet of the book.
0: Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Truth. There are a handful of great fan edits. Uh, David Kilstein's There and Back Again. We watched one recently released by an artist named M4, which is just called The Hobbit Fan Edit. And uh, you can find all sorts of these. Topher Grace, who did a uh, Star Wars edit has apparently put one together. He was on Colbert. I don't know if you know this. He was on Colbert. And Colbert says, hey, I heard you were uh, doing a, a fan edit. And he said, yeah, I did Black Klansman. Or, and uh, he played David Duke in Black mm-hmm. Klansman. And he said, I needed to just wash off. <laughs> and so this was <laughs> how he did it. He did a fan edit of The Hobbit. <gasps> and so, of course, Colbert said, uh, you know, did did my character uh stay <laughs> and Grace go So well here's the thing. <laughs> and went into
1: a long explanation. Your character is unnecessary and like it's it's funny,
0: but Stephen Colbert, if you're listening to this, one I'm a huge fan, and two, your character took me out of the movie because immediately yep. I said, Oh, there's Stephen oh, Colbert. Hey, Stephen okay. Colbert. This is what they're doing.
1: I actually I I did not recognize Stephen Fry right at first. Ah. So I did not have the same effect with him. But Stephen Colbert is like, what's Stephen Colbert doing in there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Fry's character is gross, disgusting, and employs all the wrong people. Yes. Okay, so TJ, before we jump into this, we need to talk about typing because we are typing people. We are deciding to jump into the inner life of others and tell them who they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Talk about the one rule that we have for typing other people.
1: Yeah, there, there is one very serious, significant rule, and that rule is don't do it. Don't do it. We are reading someone else's behavior to determine their motivation.
0: We make two exceptions to this rule, which is public figures and fictional characters, specifically public figures who have died. Yeah. Once, once you are part of myth and legend and, and history, I, we feel like it's okay to really elevate and talk about the inner life that we see gives you flesh to talk about it gives you a real person to talk about and seek to you know to see yourself in some of the most accomplished people in the world and with fictional people obviously we are going to see uh, fictional characters at their worst and oftentimes storytellers actually expose motive and since these people don't exist anyway they allow us to talk about the Enneagram in fully fleshed out ways that are quite enjoyable we find
1: plus fictional characters and dead people will never get mad at us for typing them wrong.
0: (laughs) We won't break relationships. We won't be disproven later. It's it's, it's
1: glorious.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, as opposed to walking scene by scene, like we did with uh, Ian Holmes, Bilbo, we got a trilogy to tackle. So instead of going uh, scene by scene, I think we should just jump in and, you know, what are some of the things that pop for you in seeing Martin Freeman's Bilbo is a five.
1: So the, the big thing that I kept coming back to was, was his base motivation, his his base desire for security. Mm-hmm. So the Enneagram can be broken up into th- like three essential triad where the, the one big thing that you're looking for is either autonomy, attention, or security. And I, th- I think I see him wanting to feel sort of sort of safe, secure, uh, be in a space where he knows what to expect and and doesn't need to worry about being being bothered, being drawn out of that that sort of secure space. and and a lot of his longing in the midst of this entire adventure is to get back to that space where, he lives in the known.
0: So fives are going to desire security above all, and nines are going to desire control. I think the control side comes out more strongly for me. The opening line of the book, let alone once we transition from the, that preamble into the storytelling is... In a hole in the ground, there lived
2: a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty,
3: wet hole full of worms and oozy smells. This was a
2: hobbit hole, and that means good food, a warm hearth, and all the comforts of home.
0: Comfort ends up, in my mind, being a huge first clue into this character's personality. It's not a hole that's secure, it's a hole that's comfortable. And the feeling of comfort is one that I think we're going to see in Bilbo over and again. And that comfort is something Nines desire, and that control over their space is something that Nines desire. And that might, be a, that might describe a whole lot of the tension that you see mm-hmm. in the first half of the first movie is Bilbo just wanting to be in control of his space. Yeah. Is there anything in that beginning, the intro, both his conversation with Gandalf or once the dwarves awi- arrive that you see as five-ish? Like, where does the five come out in that in that space of conflict?
1: The base politeness of his conversation with Gandalf, when Gandalf shows up, mm-hmm. is, to me, it, it reads as, I'm going to give you what is needed for to be expected for someone who is polite talking to a stranger. And I'm not going to give you anything more than that. Yeah. And, and and Gandalf keeps pushing him. And, and as he gets pushed, he's like, oh, no, no, thank you. I'll leave.
0: Bilbo says, can I help you?
2: That remains to be seen. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. And
0: notice what he says here.
3: Now, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in adventures. No. Nasty, disturbing... Uncomfortable things. Make you late for dinner. <laughs> Good morning.
0: Which means goodbye. <laughs> right. I Just to focus on those words, nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable. Is there fivishness That strikes me as here's the reason that I'm not inviting you into my life. You're going to disturb things. You're going to change things is what I hear there.
1: I hear fear.
0: Okay, yeah. Talk about that. Because.
1: He doesn't know anything about adventures. <laughs> he's never been on an adventure before. I think he's assumed he's he's fearful of the unknown.
0: I read a lot of the stuff that's going to go here is Bilbo being pushed to change, which, as you will know, is very difficult for nines. And I think that plays out throughout the rest. Anything, anything else on that uh, opening scene, scene with, with Gandalf? No, nothing specific. As the dwarves arrive, there is an anger that I see emerging and i I, I assume that fives experience anger as well and it expresses itself certain ways but we've talked about this with nines i think bilbo's a nine and what ends up happening is the anger begins to spurt out and erupt it's almost a frustration. I, I th- had feelings, and TJ will know this. I type everybody as a one. I was really t- trying to avoid going down the one side with Bilbo because so much, there's so much anger as frustration that takes place mm-hmm. in a lot of these um, scenes. This actually might work into your theory of him as a five. He's stressed out, mm-hmm. and so he's going to take on a lot of the frustration of sevens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think
1: that it, there's also like the idea of control is also true for fives. Uh, it It's just r- for a different reason. Mm. It's, it's less about like, like a- autonomy uh, and more about like control of my space because this is, this is how I gain my security is, is through knowledge and control of the things that I, that are, are mine. And, and that's what I see. Coming out through a lot of this conversation is—is is these dwarves are, are are pillaging his stockpiles, and and disturbing the things that like this. This is his private space. Yep. And they're they're moving things around and messing things up and and creating a mess and and taking his food.
3: It, it, it's not well, that I, I do don't like, like visitors. visitors. Uh, I, I like visitors as 30 30 much as the next hobbit, but I do like to know them <laughs> before they come. Visiting? Hmm? Why is this? I don't know. I'm just Whoa. supposed to be cheese. The thing
0: is, Gone blue, um, it's
3: riddled with mold. The thing is, it's
0: again going to be. There's a big five nine overlap here in terms right. of messing with other people's space. Yep. He eventually begins to confront Ballin and Dwalin, and says, "I don't know either of you. Not in the slightest. Right, right. Yep. It feels to me like he he doesn't know how to engage conflict, and says, <gasps> "I don't mean to be blunt, but I uh,
3: but I had to speak my mind. I'm sorry." You think-
0: <clears throat> apology accepted there's a conflict averse side to how bilbo is navigating things that sure i think is is bigger than the i don't know either of you side
1: right well and, and on the five side i just read that as like this is this is the only way that he knows to interact with people like this is how hobbits are taught to behave
0: As the rest of the dwarves arrive, this again is a place, five, nine overlap. The five is the dwarves start, you know, pillaging his stuff and abusing his goods. Right. On the five side, that seems really obvious. You're being stolen from. Right. On the nine side, as we've used this phrase in the past, there are trinkets of memory here, right. <laughs> talismans of memory. This is my mom's jewelry box. Right. Would you not do that? This is this is this is my family plates. No, no,
3: that, that's grandpa, No, I'm sorry, that's take it back, please.
0: Take no, it back, it's it an anti- no. So many talismans of memory here.
1: Yeah, so much of this scene really speaks like can easily be read on both types.
0: And then when he gets pushed, there's a place where he gets pushed and the anger becomes explosive. Excuse
3: me, that is a doily, not a dishcloth. But it's full of holes. It's supposed to look like that. It's crocheted. Oh, what a wonderful game it is, too. If you got the balls for it. They're
0: bothering to
2: masticate these claws.
0: And it's coming out in these ways that he can't control. And that's what I see in uh, in his reaction to the dwarves. Sure. Gandalf even says, My dear Bilbo, what on earth is the matter?
3: What's the matter? I'm surrounded by wolves. What are they doing oh, here?
2: Quite a merry gathering. What's okay, you I, used to? I, I don't want to get used to them.
3: The state of my kitchen there's mud, trotting the carpet, they've they, they pillaged the pantry. I'm not even going to tell you what they've done in the bathroom, they've all but destroyed the plumbing. I don't understand what they're doing in my house.
1: I don't understand what they're doing in (laughs) me. It's about knowledge. That's good. If he knew why they were here, he might be fine with it.
0: (laughs) That's good. I like that. You got me on that one. Um, I suppose that's all I got from the beginning. Aside from the fact that, well, no, there is the discussion around the table. Thorin arrives. Thorin says, tell me, Mr.
2: Baggins, have you done much fighting? Pardon Axe or sword this is your weapon of choice.
3: Well, I do have some skill that conquers, if you must know. But I fail
1: to see why that's relevant.
0: He's not into axes or swords. These are right. objects of conflict.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also, he has no reason to have ever studied sword play. Yeah. Or like, because he's a hobbit of the Shire.
0: Something he doesn't know isn't comfortable with. I suppose if you are familiar with an axe or a sword, you might be susceptible to get killed, and that's not a place a five might want to be. Right. I mean, nobody wants to be there, but... Right, yeah.
1: And also, he, he doesn't know much about either of those things, but he, he's pretty good at conquers, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knows a lot about that.
0: Well, they sit down, outline their plans, and they say, we're looking for a burglar. And Bilbo says, "Me? No, 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 no! I'm not a burglar. I've never stolen a thing in my life."
2: I'm afraid I have to agree with Mister Baggins. He's hardly burglar material.
0: His reaction to saying, "Oh, well, wait, wait, I'm, I'm not a burglar. I am not what you're looking for." Anything, anything we're saying there about motive?
1: Uh, I think that there's a, a sense of like you're telling me to do something that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Again, this can be argued in both directions. My argument for five, I think, is that, that fives are very uncomfortable doing anything that they are unfamiliar with, especially doing said thing in the company of other people. And it doesn't matter if those people are good friends or strangers. They, they do not want to seem like they are incompetent. And for someone who has never gone on an adventure spent much time with dwarves, uh, studied any kind of sword or axe play, or stolen anything, he's basically being asked on his worst nightmare of of entering into this space of something that he is not at all prepared for.
0: Yeah. Gandalf, interestingly, and this is where I'm going to move into what I think is just the heart's message that's consistently something desirable for nines, and that's having their presence, matter. Gandalf's language often pushes here, and I feel like Bo- Bilbo's motive often pushes here, that Gandalf says that...
2: Enough if I say
0: Bilbo is a burglar than a burglar.
2: He is. Hobbits are remarkably light on their feet. In fact, they can pass unseen by most if they choose. And while the dragon is accustomed to the smell of dwarf... The scent of a hobbit is all but unknown to him, which gives us a distinct advantage. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. There's a lot more to him than appearances suggest, and he's got a great deal more to offer than any of you know, including himself.
0: I like that as an image uh, appealing to the heart of a nine. And I think this alongside the later conversation is going to be what moves. We have to talk about at some point why Bilbo decides to go on the adventure. It has to come out of his deepest spots. And I think this is the, this is the line. So is there anything here that you can say about a five that would move the five?
1: I think it is uh, a, a lot of information that is drawing him. That could be drawing him into something that he wants to know more about. Like mm. it, it, it's breadcrumbs that he's going to want to follow. Yeah, and and I think it also. So coming back to to stance nines and fives are both in that withdrawn stance, and one of the big things that nines and fives and fours need to work on is is uh, action. They need courage. They need to they need to get out of their head, out of their minds, out of their emotions, whatever. Like, they, they need to start doing things. They need to stop studying, stop resting, and start doing. And I think a big part of this is is spurring him on to actually do something with his life.
0: Yeah. Appealing to, you know what you need to know in order to engage the world in powerful ways.
1: Yeah. and And even... You may not have all of the information, but you have enough to know that
0: you can go. What sets the stage then for what seems to me the the big movement for this character? There's the singing at the heart where Thorne is recounting what has happened to his people in this beautiful song that capture apparently captures Bilbo's imagination. Cold, to deep, and, and even plucks his own heartstrings. And Gandalf comes and sits with Bilbo for a minute after Bilbo realizes that there's a dragon. And this actually ends up playing, I think, into both. He's reading through that contract, yeah? And. Mm-hmm it comes to eviscerations, incineration. Now, that can be read in five spaces. You're just naturally fearful. I, I have the play of, going, of nines going to six, and this is a stressful situation that might be compounded by hearing about dragons. And sure. in that space, you know, obviously, nines can, in stress, doubt themselves on the low side. And what would it look like to escape that? Maybe part of the conversation he has with Gandalf.
1: Well, and just the fact of dragon is, you know, scary just and all types. Full of conflict. <laughs> why, would, why would I go fight a dragon? That sounds cr- like crazy talk.
0: <laughs> Bilbo sitting says to Gandalf,
2: Just let me sit quietly for a moment. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. Tell me, when did Doyle's
0: and your mother's dishes become so important to you? I see that all over nine. You can talk about it with five, but uh, that that strikes me as very nine-ish. So go ahead. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's protecting his stuff. It's these are the things that he's accumulated that give him security.
3: Yeah. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins
0: of Bag End. When we did uh, Villainous Fives, we talked about the Hamilton character. Al, uh, Aaron Burr who a lot of his dialogue ended up being, here's my family, my family history, my family heritage, and why this is what my identity is and why I'm going to act the way I do. Mm-hmm. That may be a lot of that is coming out here if you type Bilbo as a five here. Yeah. All right. Point for yeah, TJ that's kind of how. Uh,
1: I, I see the, the line connecting those two things
0: throughout a lot of my discussion. Mm-hmm. Gandalf appeals... To another side of his personality, and to that same space of what's your family heritage? You
2: are also a Took. Did you know that your great-great-great-great uncle Bullroarer Took was so large he could ride a real
0: horse? <laughs> Martin Freeman doesn't even say anything. He just he nods and he's like, "I've heard this story 822 yes, times. I know about this." Here's another five thing: It's don't treat me like an idiot. Right. Yeah, Is going on there, right? Yeah.
2: Yes, well, he could. In the Battle of Green Fields, he charged the goblin ranks. He swung his club so hard it knocked the goblin king's head clean off, and it sailed a hundred yards through the air and went down a rabbit hole. And thus the battle was won. And the game of golf invented at the same time.
1: Which I and mean, then, Bilbo immediately calls him out on the falsities.
0: <laughs> I do believe you made that up. What's interesting is that actually is in the book and the movie creators are making fun of it because it's worth making fun of, you know? (laughs) yeah.
2: When all good stories deserve embellishment,
0: you'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. And here's the move. This is it. I think this is the core. Can you promise that I will come back?
2: No. And if you do, you will not be the same.
0: That's what I thought.
2: Sorry, Gandalf,
3: I can't sign this.
0: I I think the move to fear is is there for sure, but what I hear there is an aversion to change.
1: Yeah, I I, I I'm focused on the fear. Can you promise that I will come back? Because this is where I'm secure.
0: Yeah. When he says that's what I thought, is it? about the promise not to come back or the fact he'll change, that would actually be enormous in terms of our discussion. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Which we don't know.
0: Well, in good news, that's only the first sixth of this trilogy, so there's lots more to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) He gets up the next morning. The whole house has been cleaned. He celebrates that his space is back in order and there ain't no dwarves. And he looks at the contract. I find this very difficult to explain in the movie. I don't think that this is, I don't think the motive of Bilbo is fleshed out very cleanly at all at this moment. But it's as though he's, I mean, there's a fear of missing out, perhaps, that kind of comes over him. But what I see with him looking at the contract, which becomes so essential to the last line of the trilogy as well, is I see him thinking for a moment, they wanted me. And then I've been alone for a long time and my presence matters to them. And we'll see more of why he has a motive at the end of the first film, but I'm going to save that for a minute. But that's what I see. I think this is so central to his motive. Why is it that he goes? So on the five side, why is it that he would go?
1: to me this moment is simpler than basic motivation it's it's a it's it comes back to that 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 need for withdrawn types to have courage and act and and he like looking around his house yeah the i this space will always be here but like for a moment it's not exactly secure still because all of his stuff has still been taken and moved around like his, his pantry is empty and it's simpler than that big motivation. I think it's just that, that he is moved to move outside of his comfort zone to move outside of his secure place to, and, and I think it's, it's only long enough for him to, to act and and regret it later, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I think for I think this is the point for the nine that at their de- in their deepest selves they want to be connected to something yeah. meaningful. And, yeah. uh, and I think the,
1: you have a stronger argument than I do, at least on this point.
0: I'm going to build this for two seconds for the hearts <laughs> message because I think it it routinely comes up in the movie in terms of of uh, pushing Bilbo into, into places that he might normally be uncomfortable with or even fearful of. There's a scene when they leave Rivendell, and this is in the extended cut. Elrond comes to Bilbo and says, You are
2: very welcome to stay here, yeah, if that is your wish.
0: And then the next scene we see Bilbo going up the side of the mountain with the dwarves, looking back at Rivendell thinking, I should have stayed because I think his presence matters. And so when they get into the cave and they're sleeping and he's having the conversation with one of the dwarves, and he says, Thorin said I should never have come and he was right. Lord,
3: I'm a lot of Took. out of a baggings. I don't know what I was thinking. I should never have run out my door. You're homesick.
1: I understand.
3: No, you don't. You don't understand. None of you do. You're dwarves. You're used to to, to this life, to living on the road, never settling in one place, not belonging anywhere.
0: What's really going on there is Bilbo saying, that's what I want. I want to belong someplace. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah. And that feels less like five. That feels more like nine to me. And I feel like that's core. I think that's like it's again that anger is erupting in him and he's spitting out what he really believes. True. And in a way that actually causes conflict. Like that would be one of those places where the thing the nine believes he hasn't said until he gets angry. And here it is in its full throated way. You're used to not belonging anywhere. And he knows that he said something that would hurt another person.
1: I get that the five perspective, the way I see that is, is less of focus on the word belonging and more the sense of home because that's where his security is.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think your, your argument has more weight,
0: but there's two to build on this. Then there's two scenes in which it's when Gandalf says that hobbits go unnoticed. And I realize fives can go unnoticed, but I think five Mm -hmm. nines fear going unnoticed. Sure. In a different kind of way.
1: And celebrate it in a way that we wish wasn't real.
0: Yeah. (gasps) Nearly essential to this character is his ability to go unnoticed. Sure. Both with smog. And uh, there's the scene where the goblins grab all the dwarves and Bilbo falls through the cracks because even the goblins don't notice this character. Right, right. And it works as an advantage and as a disadvantage. His presence doesn't matter
1: but also it keeps him out of a lot of trouble.
0: And that becomes real interesting. I think that's sure. that's an interesting yeah. place for a nine to kind of land, I imagine, live. Yeah,
1: I get that. Yeah, fives are less about wanting to go unnoticed and more about wanting to not be there.
0: This, by the way, dear listener, is my only argument for Bilbo's nine. I think everything else works, works in <laughs> DJ's favor. Um, he gets into the company after making the decision and people start throwing bags of coins at each other because people are paying up bills. Bilbo says,
2: What's that about? Oh, they took wages on whether or not you'd turn up. Most of them bet that you wouldn't. What did you think?
1: Because he wants his presence to matter. Hmm. Or maybe he's just trying to gain information, gain insight into Gandalf. He cares about, about being wanted. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't argue against you.
2: My dear fellow, I never doubted you for a second.
0: <laughs> you know what also doesn't matter, the presence of which doesn't matter, is his sword. It's stated, this is something that he deeply connects to later, and he's sitting at a table... With uh, ballin',
2: I wouldn't bother that. Swords are named for the great deeds they do in war. What are you saying?
3: My
0: sword hasn't seen battle?
2: I'm not actually sure. It is a sword.
0: More of a letter opener, really. Because it's his sword doesn't matter either.
1: Or it's, it's just something that's precious to him and he wants it to have meaning. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying. I think it works both ways, though.
0: Elrond. Not with your companions.
2: Uh, I I shall be missed.
3: The truth is that most of them don't think I should be
2: on this journey. Indeed. I've heard that hobbits are very resilient. (laughs) Really? I've also heard they're fond of the comforts of home.
0: That's an appeal again. I think that feels more like a body type thing than a head type.
1: Or maybe it's just a hobbit thing. It could
0: be. Bilbo.
1: You're saying all hobbits are mine?
0: <laughs> I am not. But uh, there's an appeal. If I was if I was talking about Sam and talking about the comforts of home, I would. I might. I might. He's, Sam wants to get back because of a relational connection he has to the Shire and especially to, to a girl. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to Sam,
1: <laughs> <gasps> the uh, girl that he's an, afraid to ask out the girl yeah. that
0: he has no actual connection to. Huh? They get married by the end. Uh, he like looks around and whispers, I've heard that it's unwise to seek the council of elves. For they will answer both yes and no. And apparently he realizes that Elrond is kind of offended by this. And he goes, uh. And that's where Elrond says, you are very welcome to stay here. If that is your wish.
1: This, this seemed to me like, uh, Elrond said something sort of sarcastic and biting to him. And he said something sarcastic and biting back Mm -hmm. and then realized that he might've crossed a line Mm -hmm. that, that reads to me, uh, I could go either way on that five or nine.
0: I think a five, as we were kind of talking about with Bilbo, can just bl- blow through things sometimes of this sort. Like I've given you the data; this is how things work. But Bilbo, intuitively, dare we say, feels that he has crossed a line.
1: I my uh, my sense on that is is more about the fact that he's he's speaking to the King of Rivendell, mm-hmm. and, and and not necessarily like the the conflict piece of the nine but the reality that like this man can throw him in jail (laughs) for the rest of his life and he's just offended him
0: (laughs) there you go the fear fear arises that's interesting i like that and
1: fives are sort of notoriously aloof about reading the room Mm -hmm. and and like saying appropriate things at appropriate times And this can easily be a moment where he's like, I I thought I was doing this right. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh.
0: Misstep. Yeah, That's funny. Okay. Well, I got you. He falls away from the dwarves as they they leave, finds himself in a deep cavern. Uh, You and I probably could spend two or three hours on this next conversation, but he encounters a new creature in the bowels of the earth who is one uh, golem. Just a stellar performance. Just so cool. One of the things yes, that Andy circus. Andy Sarkis said about this is he felt when he came to this movie, he felt like he was impersonating himself. Because <laughs> he was so familiar right. with what he had done in those trilogies that it was like, okay, yeah. I gotta recreate something, but that's in line with
1: the golem that we experience. Is <laughs> it lost? Yes,
3: yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. Oh lust.
0: We
1: know safe paths for horses.
0: self paths in the dark. Shut up! I didn't say anything. I wasn't talking to you. Big idea. Do you see anything going on here that uh, pushes towards five?
1: I feel like the more more of an argument's against nine than four or five. I feel like a, a nine would be more likely to, to like work harder to get away from this. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Yeah, this is a conflict. This is a very tense conflict, in fact.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and like finding himself in this sort of scary situation, Bilbo takes stock and you might even say competently maneuvers his way out of it and, and, yep. and does so by entering into a space of logic.
0: I see that. Yeah. This is the... Of all things, this is playing into Bilbo's strengths if he's a five. Right. There's a risk-taking that I think fives... I think fives will take big risks if they are comfortable in their head with right. what's ahead of them. And so when Gollum says... If Baggins loses, he need to go. And Bilbo pauses and goes, fair enough. Fair, yeah. And no. we're going.
1: Because it's a game of riddles.
0: It's playing into a strength. The thing that Bilbo really wants is to find a way out. On the nine side, it could be about, again, right. that would make sense. You're in a very uncomfortable situation. So you have motive to do whatever it takes to get out of there. When Gollum realizes he's lost his ring, this is the only other part. I mean, you, it could be fear that Bilbo is kind of, like, taken aback, but the anger that emerges from Gollum in that space and Bilbo taking us a, a huge step back, how do I make this peaceful again, comes across in his character. Yeah, I, don't know, it, I don't know if there's
1: um, anything to say. Where conflict, but also, like, uh, for on the nine side it's conflict and like, let's, let's, let's get back to like, we, we were okay a minute ago, uh, but also the understanding and for, for the five side, I think Bilbo lost control of this situation in which he felt like he understood what was going on. And now he has no idea what's going on because, because Gollum is freaking out about something that he lost and Bilbo has no idea why or what, like what could possibly be that important.
0: I I could take it as either way. Like one, there's, there's a lot of anger and conflict um, and you can't do anything about it. And the other side, it could be fear and knowledge. That makes sense. He escapes. Notice does a five kill Gollum? Is there a reason that a five wouldn't kill Gollum? I could see why a nine wouldn't kill Gollum. Because
1: five can see him for who he really is. The observer <sighs> notices that Gollum... I, it, the argument works both ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's in a place of security. Yeah. And he could go to power. Man, I, this, this is one of the few places in that movie that I just didn't really like. I don't like how they showcased Bilbo's decision here. I and mean, it's hard
1: to do with so much CGI.
0: <laughs> the whole thing, man, is computer generated Well, they escape. The dwarves escape. Bilbo escapes. And the dwarves find themselves looking around, looking for Bilbo.
2: And what happened exactly? Tell me! I'll tell you what happened. Master Baggin saw his chance and he took it. He has thought of nothing but his soft bed and his warm hearth since first he stepped out of his door. We will not be seeing our hobbit again. He is long gone.
0: Thorin the eight, I would think it's very easy to type Thorin in my mind. Yeah. Is describing a nine in this more than a five in my mind, and I think that his intuitive sense of what Bilbo's desires are is pretty spot on. As a as somebody
1: advocating for nine, <laughs> <laughs> but I I do not disagree that Thorin is an eight, uh, and I see him as observing someone that he thinks is weak and soft. Agreed. And I don't know that that necessarily means nine. I think that means anyone who's not a dwarf.
0: He wanted his soft bed and his warm hearth. That that strikes me as more... Not that fives don't want soft beds and warm hearths, but he's describing an atmosphere that Bilbo wants to re-enter.
1: Right. But but here again, we're, we're talking like this is all this is a good example of, of why it's bad to type other people, because we're talking about Thorin typing Bilbo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thorin doesn't here, here would be the argument. Thorin doesn't say, Bilbo's been terrified this whole time. He doesn't have what it, what it takes physically to to overcome his fears. Right. But his but his take
1: Thorne is observing Bilbo through his own lens. Sure. Where where vulnerability and, and weakness, these are the things to be against. And and this soft little baby just wants to go back home. Like he he's Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think he has an issue with him wanting to be at home, I think he has an issue with him, with seeing him as weak.
0: But his weakness isn't a weakness of fear. It's a weakness of the inability to enter atmospheres that are uncomfortable. Soft bed, warm hearth is preferable. Assuming, Let's assume this, that the film creators are showing you what the real temptation is for Bilbo again. And I think this really is the temptation for Bilbo of wanting to be in a comfortable space. As opposed to being in a safe space.
1: Yeah, I could go either way, because because the 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 argument is: Does Bilbo like home because it's secure or because it's comfortable? Yeah, and I yeah, I, and I think I see secure. Ooh, I think the comfort is a facet of being a hobbit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely comfort. Okay. Which may be different from other characters that we'll type in the future. So there may be some hobbits that we're going to talk about in future episodes, who it's very much their underlying feeling is fear. Yeah, but we'll get there. Bilbo pops up at this point. No He isn't.
2: <laughs> I've never been so glad to see anyone in my life.
1: You want to know why, TJ? Uh, Because he cares about Bilbo and he's glad
0: he's alive. Because Bilbo's presence (laughs) matters. (laughs) (laughs) And Bilbo attaches to people who are providing him that energy. And so when Gandalf leaves later on in the second movie, it really shakes things up. He needs to attach to something else.
1: Or he attaches his very strong six wing, attaches to authority figures.
0: Oh, he's got a... Stress. See, there it is. See, that's a miss. We haven't talked about Affect. Is he an attacher or is he a somebody who shuts down his emotions and solves the problem?
1: Yeah, I, I see much more of the competency
0: than pragmatism. <sighs> see, I see him as an attacher. Maybe we'll need to make that argument at some point. Let me finish this <laughs> so we can get to it. But Keely says... We're giving you up. How on earth did you get past the goblins? Oh,
2: indeed. Oh, what does it matter? He's back.
0: Thorin pushes in. Matters. I want to know. Why did you come back? That's a setup. This is all going to be motive. What is your motivation? And here's Bilbo's answer.
3: Look, I know you doubt me. I know. I know you always have. And you're right, I often think of Bag End. I miss my books.
0: And it's the safest place that I can possibly think of. I can't, I'm just secure in my bunker of solitude. No, he doesn't say that.
3: (laughs) He basically does. See, that's where I belong. That's
0: home. And here's the line. That's why I came back. you don't have one. A home.
3: It was taken from you. but I will help you take it back if I can.
0: That's at least what he says his motive is. So what do you see there for fives?
1: Uh, I see, I uh, talked about this earlier in the decision to go, is the, uh, like, this This is a moment of, of him stepping outside of his, like, normal comfort, his normal, like, safe space, and uh, picking up a fair amount of eight in his security spot. And and still drawing on that really heavy six wing, of Mm -hmm. saying uh, of of caring about the greater good of attaching to something else. It's like I I I want this for you as well because you're because of like this is how the world is supposed to be. You should have a home too.
0: This is a point for the nine, says I. Doesn't have to go into wings to justify his foundational motive here, which is a justice oriented claim. It's all justice. I came back because you don't have a home. It was taken from you and I'll help you take it back. If I can, I do think you can get there. This is actually the line that I thought was the most six ish of all of uh, this. I was wrestling with the six side, but so I like the caring about the greater good, but this feels like a justice oriented claim. And there's a lot of justice that comes in in the last couple uh, movies.
1: But you get that from nines eight wing or from mm-hmm. fives in security moving to eight. It works for both of us.
0: Oh, it gets was. Well, yeah, and I suppose he is secure here. Yeah. He's got new power. That could be. I'm going to exert my knowledge and power to give you back a home. It's something that you, the eight, can't provide for yourself anything that if I didn't thought about this, but that would be a relationship on the line. If Bilbo's a five, then and Thorin's an eight, you have a relationship on the line, right? That would make a lot of sense there. The, on the flip side, you have a relationship on the wings of an eight Mm -hmm. and a nine,
1: which would help explain a lot of the tension between the two of them. Because, because eights and nines, there's, there's no two types that don't get along except for eights and nines. (laughs) Because eights use conflict to to test their the boundaries, and nines avoid conflict.
0: It can be the case that those eight nine relationships, however, can be the most depthy because they've gotten past that and right. move into a different sphere. And that, right. that I mean that does showcase that relationship. This is a relationship that has a different kind of depth to it. If you believe in what the filmmakers show you,
1: mm-hmm. I I don't know I. I think this is one of those, there might be a few of these, but I think that, that we're going to have a hard time making that argument from the perspective of just watching these films because I think this is one of the spaces that they met. they didn't do a good job mm-hmm. in, in oh in their really giving us a glimpse of these two people
0: caring about each other. I see the motive for Thorin caring about Bilbo. I don't see the motive for Bilbo caring about Thorin.
1: Oh, and I don't see either of
0: them. <laughs> well, I'll make the case for Thorin. Thorin is routinely getting saved by Bilbo, and he begins to see how strong Bilbo really is and how he is loyal. I think that Bilbo is a very loyal character to, to Thorin. So loyal, in fact, he's willing to call him out. When Thorin gives Bilbo the Mithril shirt, that's him saying, I love you.
1: I I don't disagree with that but yeah. I feel like it's shoehorned in really poorly in yeah. the movie. and I could see that,
0: especially because there's a lot of other tension going on there because Thorin's going crazy. Right. Stepping back for a second, I
1: think the first movie is the, by far the best of the three,
0: mm-hmm. but I am
1: so distracted by, uh, for me, what I think is, is, is poor dialogue and like the, there's a really high production value mm-hmm. of not a very good movie.
0: Yeah. That's why the fan edits are so important on this front. So too fan edits of the star Wars prequels. It's right. The death scene of Thorin, I think is really good.
1: Oh, I really, I, I disagree. I struggled with that. His
0: dialogue with Bilbo.
1: Yeah. I intellectually understand because I know the book. I, I, I know what they're trying to do, Mm -hmm. but Getting to that point, mm-hmm. I feel is is there's so many missteps yeah. that like it it's not appropriately earned. The scene yeah. with the me Mith- when when Thorin actually gives him the Mithril shirt, I I understand what <laughs> this is supposed to represent, but I can't ignore that it it it's it's forced in and a totally different tone from what's happening around it. Yeah. So, so, for me, like like i I know how this relationship is supposed to be portrayed, but watching the actual execution of it, I really struggle with seeing their relationship built,
0: yeah, in I a think way that's meaningful i i I hear you on that. I suppose as a just if I was arguing the opposite, it would be something like Thorin is saved by Bilbo in the dungeons of the elves. Mm -hmm. Thorin is saved by Bilbo in the spiders. Thorin is routinely being aided, and he goes mad for a while, and then on his deathbed, when he realizes that gold doesn't matter, his mind drifts back to what he's seen of this character. And of all things, the acorn is, I think, the big symbol here. Of Thorin understanding in a way that nobody else really does. I don't know that Gandalf does. I think Thorin actually gets Bilbo at a at a depthier level and says, "Go back to
2: your books, and you're around
0: you around. Plant your trees, watch them grow." Right. I don't know. It, it, I I feel emotionally moved by that. I, I realize that you know that's not an argument it's just man, i come to that scene and i'm emotionally moved i think the yeah. gr- the grieving scene between uh, gandalf and uh, martin freeman is just amazing
1: oh i, I again
0: don't it wow.
1: it doesn't fit yeah i think it's a cool scene and it would be nice if it fit where <laughs> it was put
0: that's unfortunate yeah i tear up at both those the grieving scene, I think, is really classic. Speaking of the grieving scene, I've, I wonder if that describes how a five would grieve. Would a five grieve in silence? I feel like this is very nine ish.
1: Non emotional. I think it's both.
0: Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. It has to not be a place of stress. Well, we've talked a little bit about grief in the past, that grief actually, I don't think it's experienced in your stress space. I think grief is often experienced in your central type. Sure. Your primary intelligence center. I don't go to four in, in grief. I go to one in grief. True. Sure. So that would make sense, both for nine and five. You feel grief in your body? Yeah. I feel grief in my body. I don't feel it in my heart. And I even try the solutions. I'm an earner when it comes to grief. I'm not a withdrawn when it comes to grief. Hmm.
1: Yeah, five and nine are both withdrawn, so yeah, that makes sense that they would just sort of like sit back in silence.
0: Yeah. Real great image of Gandalf as we'll talk about Gandalf's type, but here would be something for that character. He's going to sit with somebody else in their grief and just not say anything. Sure. He's very action-oriented. In fact, I'm going to clean out my pipe while we're sitting here. And sort of
1: push a little bit, like making it a little bit
0: uncomfortable. (laughs) It makes everything uncomfortable. (laughs) Can you feel my presence here in this moment? You want to talk about the dragon?
1: Ah, so much.
0: We've already done this scene, but we've done it from the opposite side. We talked about smog is a five. I want to say that one of the great goods of the book is that I do think Bilbo's a five in the book and I think smog's a five and that's intentional. You're showing your darkest self here. And, and an
1: excellent dialogue between two fives. Yeah. Especially when one of them is a, an enormous fire breathing dragon (laughs) and the other one is the world's smallest creature, right? But but like that, I I think that also highlights like, like the five in the eight space of being a dragon, mm-hmm. being entirely in control, and the five who is, you know, potentially scared to death, but also like still recognizing that this is a creature with whom I can have an intelligent conversation.
0: Yep. This is a very short conversation. It's worth going into. The fiveness of smog is all over this. It's oh, the yeah. from the very first line, it's well thief. ice. That's all observation, and it gives him power. Yeah. Bilbo. I did not
3: come to steal from you. I merely wanted to gaze upon your magnificence to see if you really were as great as the old tales say.
0: That's a very observational claim. Mm -hmm. The tales and songs fall utterly short
3: of your enormity, O Smaug, the stupendous.
0: Do you think flattery will keep you alive? Bilbo the Five going to Seven there makes a lot of sense in terms of flattery. Sure. I'm going to spin things. And,
1: and, and also sort of like playing into what he thinks will make Smog happy. Mm-hmm. There's an energy there. Yeah. I'm going to put on my my entertainment hat.
0: On the nine side, I could say that in stress, a nine's going to get a six and serve the person in front of him.
1: When we talk about this later, and I admit to you that I've been thinking that he was a nine basically since you said it out loud, (laughs) uh, I will uh, tell you, I'll argue this side for you and let you know that uh, it is about giving Smaug what he wants, understanding that because bilbo is a nine can see smog and and see who he is and what he wants bilbo is offering that in a way to minimize the conflict there you go he immediately steps into intense intense adoration and how on earth would he know that that's what smog wants unless he uh, unless he clearly sees smog from that nine-ish perspective?
0: Mm. pushes further into nineness here. This is the only nine part well that I see is he starts meandering, and the talk of nines mm, true. you could speak more of this in terms of how nines can meander in their dialogue, but smog asks him a question, and he just starts. He just starts going sort of sort of
1: spinning out a little bit, taking taking a a thought trail and just sort of wandering. But there's there's also a fair amount of five in that, like because of the way that they understand things, they can go deeper into subjects. Okay, And there's uh, to me, there's seeing this from a five like he's he starts explaining who he is in a in a deeper way than. I'm a. I. My name is Bilbo Baggins, and I live under the hill in shire, in the Shire. Mm-hmm. Like he starts sort of expanding that that thought. I come from under the hill, under
3: and under hills and over hills. My path is led, and and through the air, I am he who walks unseen.
1: Giving more, giving depthier explanation of who he is.
0: Is he saying these because they're facts or is he saying these because he's trying to establish his value?
1: I think he is trying to explain himself in a way that makes sense to someone who describes themselves. I am fire. I am
0: death. Ooh. As a literary Tool. I think this is really interesting because what's taking place is your dark self is speaking to your true self and you're trying to say, what what is my actual identity mm-hmm. to your dark side? Because right. Bilbo is sitting on his hoard, which is his family property filled with spoons and the rest. And mm-hmm. Smog is sitting on his hoard filled with the gold. Both of them have the same temptation and posture towards the world. Right. That Bilbo has something smog doesn't, and it's coming out here in these statements of identity who are you self talk there's a, the self talk of fives is there like do fives talk to themselves in this sense
1: not out loud
0: I mean in their head yeah would would you have a self conversation
1: I don't know because that is something that is so private that yeah. I don't think fives would ever share that information
0: yeah Might have to go into the deep recesses of the earth to have that (laughs) conversation. I'd be curious. I'll ask some some fives. Fives, if you're out there and you want to speak to this, please hit us up. Uh, What does self-talk look like for fives? Bilbo gets real protective because Smog points out, And what about your little dwarf friends? Where
2: are they hiding? Dwarves. Dwarves?
3: No, no, no dwarves here. You've got that all wrong.
2: Oh, I don't think so, Barrel Rider. They sent you in here to do their dirty work, while they skulk about outside. Truly, yeah. really? you are mistaken, though.
3: Smaug, chiefest and greatest of calamities. You have nice manners for a
2: thief and a liar. liar. I know the smell and taste of dwarf. No one better. It is the gold. They are drawn to treasure like flies to dead flesh.
0: Smog, the greedy one, is observationally aware of his enemies and their motive. And he's entirely right. Yeah. Bilbo's trying to protect them.
1: Oh, I, I think that he, like, this is the moment where... Uh, he loses control of the situation. And and now Smog has more information than he was prepared to give him. And it's also dangerous information.
0: It might be real easy to jump to five in terms of seeing Bilbo see the scale that's missing from Smog's chest. However, one will know. If you've seen TJ Wilson in action, <laughs> you will know that TJ Wilson has superpowers when it comes to detective work, observational acuity. Right. So this isn't necessarily five.
1: I I don't know that there's anything to say about Bilbo noticing <laughs> the that hole except for the literary device that's required that in that moment. He has to see it. He has to see it. Just has to. That's in order for the story to progress. Yep. Bilbo has to see the chink of armor missing or else the story ends.
0: Well, in the movie, Smog is motivated to destroy Lake Town. Bilbo tries to protect them.
3: This isn't their fault. Wait! You cannot go to Lake
2: Town.
0: You care about them, do you?
2: Good. Then you could watch them
0: die. Because, of course, as you said, Smog thinks, "I am fire. I am death." That's how the second movie ends. Anything else we're saying there? Only that
1: as frustrated as I am with the quality of these movies, Mm -hmm. this scene
0: almost makes up for it. The fan edits do such a glorious task. I hope Peter Jackson does a fan edit. I mean, he certainly could. Right, that'd be fun. He apparently has gotten in the editing mood here recently with what he's doing with the Beatles. Uh, Have you seen seen, uh, the trailer for Get Back? Huh. It's getting released this week on Disney plus, okay. Paul McCartney said he saw the movie and it reframed everything that he experienced about the end of the Beatles. and he saw it as way more positive than oh, nice what he remembered. It was real interesting. so awesome. there's 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 the work that a seven director can do for you <laughs> <laughs> Reframe reframe this for you.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, like, I, I feel like I could also, I could watch this scene or I could also watch the video that's out there of Benedict Cumberbatch doing this scene <laughs> in the motion capture equipment yep. because he's amazing. True. Like, it, it's just like, it's, he's just so good in this part.
0: It's true. Lake Town's destroyed. Bilbo becomes kind of a secondary figure for a lot of the rest of the trilogy. So this, I think the end is going to go real quick for us here.
1: Right? Doesn't he get like knocked out for like five or six scenes?
0: He he is. That's a, exactly how the how things work. There's a battle of five armies, and our our main protagonist right. is has been knocked unconscious. Right. <laughs> Wakes up and the eagles are there. Yeah. It's really Thorin's movie. That third one. Right. The one big thing about Bilbo. In uh, the third movie, and this goes towards, of course, proving that Bilbo's a nine, is that he's a peacemaker.
1: Or that he is willing to do the thing that nobody else will do, which can be five, and particularly five in security, moving to eight.
0: The argument for five, not only five, I think, but heroic five is I have come into possession of one of the most valuable things in all of Middle-earth and I'm really and I'm willing to surrender it for the sake of my brother. Yeah. That's heroic. Yeah. For the nine side it I think it flows real cleanly out of motive here that Bilbo loves the dwarves and loves Thorin and longs for everything to get put back together and feels in his intuitive center that everything's coming apart. Sure. And so what's the solution? The solution is finding the Arkenstone and delivering it to the forces outside.
1: Just to sort of expand on why I see this as five ish is that, that there's an objective quality to like being in the company of these people for so long and seeing how, the the dragon sickness <laughs> changes thorin he knows that forward the best way to mm-hmm. resolve this whole situation is by going against his family in a way like the the best thing for thorin is to give someone else the arkenstone
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and like that that's that's just an objective truth
0: yeah and he does the detective work to figure that out? He has a conversation with Balin at one point. Dragon sickness. I've seen it before.
2: That look. The terrible need. It is a fierce and jealous love, Bilbo. It sent his grandfather mad.
3: But if if Thorin ...had the Arkenstone. Or if it, if it was found...
2: ...would it help? That stone... ...crowns all. It is the summit of this great wealth. Bestowing power upon he who bears it. Would it stay his madness? No, that... I feel it would make it worse. Perhaps it is best it remains lost. Uh,
1: Bilbo lo- looking at this whole situation, like he's he's not trying to like keep the peace. He's actually doing what's best for everyone because objectively looking, observing what's happening with the ar- with the other armies with uh what how thorin has become mad how he basically has total control over his other dwarves like because he is their king he is willing to do the thing that is is best for everyone which will actually enter him into a space of conflict
0: yeah in my mind if we see bilbo as a hero which i think is part of the purpose of the books and movie, then that would be the heroic nine entering into conflict for the sake of the people you love. And so that, as opposed to going against motive, that would be actually the heroic side of that type.
1: Right. Argument can be made for both.
0: Bilbo shows up on the other side with the the forces of Bard and uh, Thranduil. Bilbo steps into their presence. Gandalf is there.
2: If I'm not mistaken, this is the halfling who stole the keys to my dungeons from under the nose of my guards.
3: Yes. Sorry about that. I came to give you this.
2: The heart of the mountain. The king's jewel. And worth a king's ransom.
3: How is this yours to give? I took it as my fourteenth share of the treasure.
0: He consistently comes back to this. There's a fairness mm-hmm. argument that he routinely is pushing into. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything we're saying there, but um, assuming that body types are the justice-oriented types, mm-hmm. that might be a, something worth elevating.
1: I think it's it. It's both. Like there the the fairness of sort of justice, but also the, the fairness of I sign a contract contract and I yeah, think that helps. This is my 14th yeah. share. I get a 14th share because this is what is on
0: paper for us. This is what we agreed to.
2: Why would you do this?
3: You owe us no loyalty. I'm not doing it for you.
0: I think this is interesting.
3: I know that dwarves can be obstinate and pig headed and difficult to suspicious and secretive with the worst manners you can possibly imagine, but they are also brave and kind and loyal to a fault. I've grown very fond of them and I would save them
0: if I can. This is an argument for five. He makes a big list of their qualities that he knows and is internalized and is affectionate about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's observational. He, Why is it that you're giving me this? Right. It's not to bring peace. It's because I've seen these things. And I see them as mattering. Right. Gandalf at one point, they receive the Arkenstone. And Gandalf says... Rest up tonight.
2: You must leave on the morrow. What? Get as far away from here as possible. Uh, and I'm not leaving.
3: You pick me as the 14th man. I'm not about to leave the company now. There
2: is no company. Not anymore. And I don't like to think what Thorin will do when he finds out what uh, you've done. I'm not afraid of Thorin. But well, you should be.
0: Just to push into the five there... Everybody's afraid of Thorin. <laughs> like that's Gandalf is afraid of Thorin. That's one of the things that is shown in that first scene when Thorin shows up. Uh, you want to speak to Bilbo not being afraid of Thorin?
1: I think it's because he knows Thorin. Okay. So, like in in the same way that like he he has observed all of these things about dwarves, and as he has become more mature, the, the heroic five has. Grown attached,
0: mm-hmm. he
1: has he has found himself caring about these things instead of observing them intellectually. He actually cares about them now, and the observations matter, but but the fact that he cares about them matters more. He's not afraid of Thorin because he knows Thorin, and and has grown to care about him and his his love for Thorin and his appreciation for the good that is in Thorin overrides his sense of fear.
0: I think that's a healthy, uh, the, again, on the hero, going to the heroic side of five, then is that not where fives would arrive? Yeah. They have transcended their fears
1: and, and entered into a space of sign, like speaking so much about that sort of objectivism fives s- put themselves outside. And, and part of that is so that they don't have to care about other things that are, that would affect them. Yeah. And here, having spent all of this time with these dwarves, he has found himself caring about them significantly and is now willing to act on that care.
0: The armies from outside approach Airborne, the dwarf stronghold, and they show that they have the Arkenstone. Thorin thinks it's a trick. Bilbo steps up. This this is the place where I don't think this is very nine-ish. Or it's a heroic nine-ish if you go there, but Bilbo says...
3: It's no trick. The stone is real. I gave it to them. You. I took it as my 14th share.
0: Again, pushing into justification there. Thorin, very eight-ish. All of this is eight-ish from Thorin, for sure. You would steal from me. He's been betrayed.
3: Steal from you? No. No. I may be a burglar, but I like to think I'm an honest one. I'm willing to let it stand against my
2: claim. Against your claim? Your claim. You have no
3: claim over me. What? I was going to give it to you.
1: Many times I wanted to, but...
0: By the way, Thorin hired him to be a thief. So,
1: right, just this this whole thing just (laughs) beautifully highlights the madness of Thorin.
0: (laughs) This is where I struggle with Bilbo as a nine. But if you if this comes out of a place of goodness or even a place of anger, it works.
3: You are changed, Thorin. The dwarf I met in Bag End would never have gone back on his word. Would never have doubted the loyalty of his kin.
0: That's the cause of conflict. Change, obviously, for nines isn't a good thing. In in some sense, and that's that's a big that's a difficult one for me. Do you have anything there? Yeah,
1: yeah this one's a a big argument for five to me because like he is stepping in, stepping up. Like there's there's a big like security move to eight of saying like being willing to sort of be the strong man in this situation. Mm-hmm. Nobody else will stand up to Thorin, and I will. There it is. And, and here's what you need to know. You're not the person I met. Mm. And, and also willing to say to him the things that nobody else will say to try and snap him out of it.
0: That latter part, I think, works for five. The former, he has standards. Would Nines are going to be aware of the standards, yeah? I suppose fives and nines would be aware of the standards in different ways, but this is another argument mm-hmm. for the justice-orientedness of Bilbo.
1: I think it goes both ways. Okay. Justice of Bilbo, but also order, fairness. Like, this is what everyone agreed on
0: kind of thing. Thorin's hurt in a different kind of way when loyalty is bro- brought up. And he says, Do not speak to me for loyalty. Because he knows he's been unloyal, (laughs) and this would be a dig on an eight. Uh, Bilbo has effectively cut him. And so Thorin, in my mind, on the nine side, knows how to punish a nine. Throw him from the rampart! Which is essentially your presence doesn't matter, which in my mind is the the whole of Bilbo's motive. He's attacking Bilbo's Mm -hmm. motive. You're kicked out of the company.
1: Oh, I figured you were trying to kill him.
0: Yeah. I think that that's the, I understand that there's the four, for the five, that would be how that would work if, you're, if he is a five. But if he's a nine, then this actually is a serious emotional dig. Sure. I, uh, an eight wanting to do damage to the person in front of him. How do I do it?
1: Well, but also remember the eight, this particular eight is has dragon madness. Dead. So he's just crazy right now.
0: He'd still, he still might know how to hurt
1: somebody. He's just <laughs> crazy and
0: murdery. <laughs> <It's> murdery. <laughs> yeah. A battle ensues between the elves and the dwarves. And then uh, all of a sudden, Thorin's kin show up.
2: Good morning. How are we all?
0: Bilbo gets knocked unconscious. There's a CGI spectacular. I'm, I'm moved by the death of Feely and Killy. Watching my kids execute in front of me would be like top in terms of experiences that I'd never want to have happen. And sure, it, I think it's powerfully done. That's fair. Those aren't his kids, uh, but they're his cousins, of course. Yeah, then they're the youngest, aren't and they? Yeah, they would be the ones they are oh, his, no, they're not the youngest. they are Thorin's sister's children, but Thorin has okay. no children, and so they would be right. the next in line, the closest. Yeah, Bilbo wakes to see. Thorin, who's been uh, impaled, dying on a sheet of ice. I don't know how it got cold all of a sudden, and there's ice. <laughs> that was one of those things that got kind of snuck in there. And then there's the Thorin death scene.
2: I'm glad you're here.
0: I wish to part from you in French.: I don't know much to say here aside from the fact that Bilbo seems to really want to make things go well that I have led you into such peril. And he elevates Thorin. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm glad to have shared in your barrels, Thorin, each and every one of them.
3: It is far more than any Baggins deserves.
1: This is more about Thorin coming to his senses mm-hmm. than anything else, and, and Bilbo being, like, watching his friend die. Yeah.
0: The last line from Thorin is, if more people buy your home above gold. This world would be a merry place. Not that fives can't elevate home above gold, but
1: Well again, that's that's where his security is. It's Yeah. Fives don't necessarily care about gold. They care about their resources. And and for Bilbo, before this adventure, his resources was his home.
0: So a great interview with Warren Buffett this week, and he's lived in the same house for the last 70 years. It's a home that he bought for like $30,000, and obviously he's worth billions and millions of dollars. And he was asked, why didn't you get a different house? And Buffett's answer, which I thought was real interesting, was if I thought that an a bigger home or a different home would provide me more happiness. I'd spend a hundred million dollars on it, but this home is filled with memories. Mm. Yeah. And that was his reason for sticking. And I thought that was just a really interesting answer. Again, from a five, if you type Buffett as a five. Yeah. And that would go towards that. Right. Same idea. Right. Another nine line here is as Thorin dies, um, he turns to Bilbo and says, I'm glad you're here. Whether or not Bilbo's a five, there sure is a heavy push towards your presence matters in a lot of this. So just to reemphasize my right, my only argument. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's, yeah, again, it's all coming from other characters. We're not seeing it from Bilbo. Himself. Oh,
0: I think he wants his presence to matter. And
1: I'm not sure that that, that we do not see that matter to him. On screen.
0: I mean, I suppose my argument was that's his primary mo- motive for leaving Bag End. Belonging that comes out in that one conversation, I think, is the best articulation of it. It's uh, you're used to not belonging anywhere. Sure. And Bilbo wants to belong. Gandalf makes the pitch that that, he, that he's been specially selected as the 14th. The attacks on him seem to be about Belonging. In my mind, the sword not belonging was a, was a, an argument. And him finding his niche. This is a thing for, we've talked about this in the past with nines. Nines finding their niche. It often is an invisible niche, which very much goes with Bilbo's character. It's not really seen, but it's instrumental, and it ends up being foundational And their presence matters because of the niche that they carve out for themselves in the community that they're part of it just seems like his function in the company is very nine-ish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. Here's what I'll say then. I'll say that, uh, all of the things that you're saying, if I had a slightly rosy lens (laughs) with which to view this film, instead of my extreme distaste for it, I would, probably like this probably would have never been a
0: discussion. Oh, come on. Hear that listeners.
1: Cause cause really like the, the points that you're making are, I I think you have a stronger argument on almost everything that we've talked about <laughs> for this being about nines. I think I have such a hard time with the execution of yeah these lines that like, like what you're saying about belonging is over and over and over again, put into place in this film. And, and I, Unfortunately, I don't think that they show that mattering to Bilbo mm. in the same way that like it, it's important for me to know that like as a nine myself, it is important for me to know that my presence matters. But people can say that to me all day long and it doesn't matter if I don't feel it like I, I need to experience it from action and behavior and, and from like the the choices that people make that let me see it in ways that, that's not them just saying it to my face because them saying it to my face doesn't really mean anything to me. In the same way, Bilbo doesn't really showcase that it matters to him when people say that his presence matters. And I think that's more of an execution issue than it is yeah. a a motivation issue.
0: And maybe... That may drive us to the very last image in the film. This actually, I, it's again, this may not hit you emotionally. This always hits me, and it may be because the death scene um, works for me. When he returns to Hobbiton, when he comes and finds his house being pillaged. Do I have any bits for this? This is Shire made. None have you had reproductions here. Stop! Stop. Which would be in the front, both to a five and a nine. Yep. Sackville Baggins says, Who are you? Yes. Which you will know is my favorite question in film. Right.
3: You know perfectly well who I am, Lobelia Sackville Baggins. Oh, yeah. This is my home. And those are my spoons. Thank you very much. Oh, this is most is,
0: and he goes up, Bilbo goes up to the auctioneer who's getting rid of stuff. And he tells him who he is. And the auctioneer says,
3: in more than thirteen months since the disappearance, if you are in fact Bilbo Baggins and undeceased, can you prove it? Yeah. What? Well, well uh, something official with your name on it would suffice. Right, right. A contract of employment as a, 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 a. never mind as what? Well. There, my signature
0: auctioneer says
3: uh,
2: oh, it certainly seems to be in order yeah. seems there can be no doubt who is this person you pledged your service to foreign Oakenshield he
3: he was my friend
0: which is something he couldn't say to Balin earlier and it's something he hasn't acknowledged yet right This line is his heart, I think, in the movie. I think that's where the whole movie is driving toward. This image strikes me as an eight-nine relationship more than anything else. Like, I see nine all over his response here, that he really loves that eight, even though there's such tension there. Yeah. And even his inability to to talk about his love for Thorin is something that doesn't come until this moment. Yeah. That's what I got.
1: Yeah, I ag- again, I do not disagree with you. I think that's an excellent point and I would probably be making <laughs> it myself if this was executed better.
0: TJ, if we want to go to the book, you're going to win. So we can just leave it, right? <laughs> you can just leave it right there if you want or you can hear the list which I have already examined and shook my head yeah. saying this isn't going to work. I'm going to leave.
1: So the I I've, I know I've said this before, but I think this like this specific conversation between you and me. I think this is a great, great example of why you don't type other people. <laughs> like we're having an argument about the execution of this fictional character. Whereas, if they had done the execution of the whole story better, I would agree that he was a different type. Mm. Than I see him as. And it's because of the execution of the story, even the parts around him, that I see something different. Yeah. And the truth is, neither of us know what's actually going on inside Bilbo Baggins' head. And we should not be trying to decide what type he is, which, is like, again, it's fine with us. It's fine for us because he's a fictional character and this doesn't matter. But, like, looking at the ways that we type other people. This is so, so dangerous because we don't know what's going on in the rest of their lives. We can't see. We only see what's in front of us, and we see through our own lenses. And this is just such a good example of, about how not even our own observation, but the things that are going on around other people can change how we see them.
0: Well said. Also... Undermining of everything that we're going to do for the next month.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, correct. Because we're going to continue typing fictional characters.
0: (laughs) It's going to be a good time. No, it really does. The point point is well made. And it's the case that I don't get fired up about, uh, what, the Hunger Games or even Harry Potter characters. I get fired up about the execution of The Hobbit because I really, 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 really care about this world. Right. And so... There it is, it's because it's so valuable. You want you want to engage it well, and also I'm a perfectionist, and that's just how that goes. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I got. You got anything else?
1: I got nothing, man. This has been fun.
0: Did we decide on a type here? Yeah, he's a nine. <laughs> <laughs> he's a nine. It's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I thought that was such a stretch, and that I was going to lose. I was I was uh, I was very shocked that. Ian Holmes was not a seven. So there you go. Mm. Surprises all around.
1: Well, and to like bring that point home a little bit further, like I was, I was vacillating between five, six, and nine. And I was up until yesterday, I was certain that it was six. Mm -hmm. And that's really because I was seeing nine things in stress.
0: I was so ready to argue the nine against the six and just say, it's stress, it's stress, yeah, it's stress. I'm, it's I'm stress. really
1: <laughs> glad that after after Joni blurted out my my thoughts, <laughs> I was told- really glad that I changed it so that you were prepared for an argument we weren't going to
0: have. Okay, so dear listener, you don't know this. We had Dara the other night, and I, I'm trying to fish for information from TJ, who never gives anything like I <laughs> ever on one. any front. <laughs> but his beloved wife blurted out what he was thinking. And, and I spent the last three hours just saying, Okay, how do I argue the six? How do <laughs> I argue the six? And so was, I was completely taken off track. Good job, Joni. But I have a great argument for why Bilbo's not a six now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so do I. Dear <laughs> listener, it would mean the world to us if you take two seconds, give us some stars and a review on your podcasting platform of choice. If you watch The Lord of the Rings and have some typing suggestions, you can uh, just, uh, you know, what do you call that? Um, pin us? Uh, type us? Link us? What the hell is the, the, the internet word?
1: I, I'm not sure what you're...
0: When you, you put somebody's Twitter handle into your post.
1: Hashtag? I, I, I'm so bad at social media. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying right now. Tag us?
0: Tag us. There it okay. is. You know what? Twitter is bad for your soul anyway. So uh-huh. um, <laughs> You can <could> tag us. <laughs> and uh, We would love to see what you got uh, before we jump into this sucker. You can find all the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org We are moving a lot of our stuff to Patreon. We would love to engage you there. We're going to do a lot more stuff through Patreon in 2022. But you can get ahead of everybody else for now. As I've said in the past, just if you get into nerd culture stuff like this, I have another podcast called The Star Wars Binge. Very easy to find. Just Google Star Wars Binge and, and it'll come up. But we're certainly on Twitter under that handle. And, uh, yeah, any shouts out on Instagram or Twitter are appreciated. But the best thing you can do is share this with somebody that you love, specifically someone who gets into Middle Earth and all of the characters they're in. So that's what I got. You got anything else?
1: I got nothing new.
0: He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. And you will save the world from devastation, from a battle between five armies in which your presence matters and you provide grace and peace to everybody else. I don't know where I'm going with that. It kind of works (laughs) as a sign off.